Democrats running for president are spending a lot more time in Iowa's farm country this cycle. They are reaching out to rural Iowa. That's Art Cullen, the Pulitzer Prize-winning editor of the Storm Lake Times in northwest Iowa. Cullen was on stage with Amanda Turkle from the Huffington Post, where they were moderating a forum on rural issues with five presidential hopefuls. It was only March. Why do you think so many are coming? Because I think that they realize that this election is going to be decided in the Midwest, I believe, from, uh, from Iowa to Ohio. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren was there. You've got these giant corporations that are making bigger and bigger profits for themselves, for their executives, for their investors, and they're putting a squeeze on family farms, on small farms. What are the Democrats running for president saying about trade and agriculture policy? And will issues associated with Republican voters find traction with Democrats this year or with Trump supporters who are uncommitted? I'm Kate Payne. I'm Clay Masters. From the newsroom of Iowa Public Radio, this is Caucus Land. It is about standing by our farmers in this state. President Donald Trump promised he was going to support agriculture. I'm truly delighted to be here with the incredible farmers, growers, and workers who power our country, feed our nation, and preserve the American way of life. Democrats are courting farmers and rural voters, like former Congressman Beto O'Rourke and California Senator Kamala Harris. I would be afraid if I were one of those farmers here in Iowa who had seen those markets close to me. And now they're looking at soybeans rotting in bins. Tariffs, delays over trade deals, and now ethanol waivers are frustrating some Trump supporters. Democrats like Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders want to seize on a possible opening. Family farmers in Iowa are being driven off the land because of the greed of large agribusiness conglomerates. Trade tensions are preventing farmers from selling their products and have shut down some small manufacturers in Iowa. Some rural communities voted for Barack Obama twice and then Donald Trump. I gotta look at seeing where a, a candidate stands and how does that benefit me as a farmer. We'll talk to IPR's Amy Mayer. And later, some changes to making the Democrats' caucuses more inclusive. That's after this break. Caucus Land is sponsored by Cornell College and by Gravitate Coworking, providing flexible workspace for freelancers, remote workers, teams, or anyone sending emails from a couch or a coffee shop, including those in Iowa for the caucuses, with premier co-working spaces in downtown Des Moines and Historic Valley Junction. Learn more at gravitatecoworking.com. This is Caucus Land from Iowa Public Radio. The past 18 months have been hard on farmers. President Donald Trump is taking trading partners to task for what he says is unfair play. The biggest battle is with China, and it's only kind of related to agriculture. The debate has led to each country imposing heavy tariffs, like a tax, on certain imports. China put a big tariff on U.S. soybeans and nearly obliterated what had become a huge market. On a Saturday in early September, Aaron Lehman steers his tractor down a rural road carrying a couple loads of hay. Lehman is president of the Iowa Farmers Union and says his members are in rough shape. We are tightening our belt. Um, we're talking to our lenders. We're talking to our, our uh, landlords. We're talking to our input suppliers, trying to find any way we can to cut costs just to make ends meet. Lehman didn't vote for Donald Trump. He says with low commodity prices, farmers are concerned about the escalating trade war. We chose to insult our trade allies, do, um, pick all sorts of fights with our trade allies, and then go to China 
and make outrageous demands um, that we knew were not going to be met. And as a result, farmers have been the ones that have been uh, hurting the most. But Lehman certainly doesn't speak for all farmers. As we'll no doubt hear from Iowa Public Radio's agriculture reporter Amy Mayer, she's with us now. Hi, Amy. Hey, Clay. Hi, Kate. So, Amy, how are you seeing trade play out in the lead-up to the Iowa caucuses? Well, for some context here, consider that Iowa is the number one state for pork, corn, and corn-based ethanol, and it's usually about number two for soybeans. Farmers grow and they raise far more of these things than can be consumed here in the U.S. In the past year or year and a half, though, there's some Trump administration decisions that have really rattled some export markets. Um, Think about tariffs and big trade deals that a lot of farmers would like to see signed, but they're still in limbo. I talked with Story County farmer Scott Henry about how all this sits with him. We're frustrated with the current administration. Uh, the, The pieces that have led to that frustration Uh, are twofold. One being the trade scenario and with the tariff situation with China, and the second being the flip-flopping nature on the ethanol policy. Okay. And what's Scott Henry talking about on trade? Iowa's agriculture economy really depends on foreign markets, and China had been the biggest, particularly for soybeans. So with these ongoing tariffs, farmers just aren't sure when or whether they're going to get that market back. He's also bringing up ethanol, which is a, a biofuel made from corn. What's going on with ethanol? Something's always going on with ethanol in Iowa. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, because the corn farmers here really depend on that ethanol market as a destination, almost 40% of the corn grown in Iowa gets turned into ethanol, which is then blended into gasoline. Um, so that creates a reliable market for corn. Um, what this farmer's talking about is that the Trump administration recently decided to waive the requirement of blending ethanol for 31 refineries. And so now farmers are concerned there won't be a market for all this corn that would have gone into the ethanol that those refineries would have blended. Okay, so the tariffs are hurting soybean producers and ethanol waivers are hurting corn farmers. The president's policies are undermining some prime markets for Iowa farmers. What fixes are Democrats offering? Well, the candidate who's making the loudest claims, especially for ethanol, is Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. Obviously, she's been representing corn farmers for a while now. She serves on the Agriculture Committee. Um, She spoke at a farm in Ankeny in August. And memo to the Trump administration, they should not be giving these waivers, which were designed for a very small refineries and particular situations but they have been granting them to major oil companies, and that must stop, right? No one, when this got put into place, thought it would cover Chevron and Exxon. Part of Senator Klobuchar's pitch to caucus goers is she can even work with Iowa's Republican senior U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley. I have led that fight on those waivers, um, and Senator Grassley and I have been pushing this on a bipartisan way. I have been... um, was particularly interested. It was only when Secretary, then Secretary Pruitt of the EPA visited Iowa and the farmers greeted him with protest signs that he had to resign. I'm sure there was no connection. And I talked to South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg in May. He's another one of these Midwestern candidates putting a lot of stock in Iowa. I asked him how he could implement a farm policy that just doesn't feel like more regulation for producers who are already dealing with a lot of uncertainties. We've also got to invite them to feel like they're part of the solution. If climate policy feels like this cudgel that you're beating uh, growers over the head with or or farmers and saying you're part of the problem, then of course uh, they're not going to feel very motivated to to come on board with, with our efforts. But Amy Mayer, are farmers open to any of these Democrats during the 2020 caucuses? 
It's a little hard to say, and nobody really wants to commit, but Michael Fritch, a farmer in Jasper County who voted for President Trump, says he's listening to what the candidates have to say about ag policy. I, I can't vote just Republican because it's Republican. i got to look at seeing where a, a candidate stands and how does that benefit me as a farmer, as a, as a citizen of the United States. And that's what truly matters is how do they stand on the issues. In fact, he even mentioned Senator Amy Klobuchar by name. I'm open to see what anybody is, but I think Amy Klobuchar is about the only one that I've really seen uh, a real big footprint on it. There's been some ideas that, frankly, are really scary out there that some of them have floated that uh, we don't want to be part of. But um, uh, frankly, this one thing this has done is allow, allowed the nation to see that agriculture is very, very important to the United States. And other candidates have their own ag talking points. Here's Elizabeth Warren. Generation ago, farmers got 37 cents out of every food dollar spent in America. Today it's down to 15 cents. And it's because the giants are sucking this up. They've sort of figured out. Every part of the chain that's profitable, they've sucked up. And every part that's got the really high risk, they push off to the, you know, to the independent farmers and say, you do that part. Contract farming is part of that. And a big part of this has been the failure to enforce our antitrust laws. What that looks like on the ground is many of the largest farms have grown to accommodate big multinational corporations, such as huge grain brokers or meat packers. For smaller farms, more diverse operations, that agribusiness concentration has actually created a more challenging environment for them. There's fewer places to buy seed, for example. Senators Warren and Sanders have been focusing on breaking up some of these big agribusinesses. Former Vice President Joe Biden has honed in, as have many candidates, on how the tariffs right now are hurting farmers without really addressing the biggest concerns the U.S. has with China as a trading partner. The problem hasn't been a trade deficit with China. It's been the failure of us to be able to compete with China in the way that we should by maintaining our advantage that we have around the world in terms of intellectual property capacity to invent and change and move new product. That was Biden speaking with reporters after an event in Prol, Iowa in August. And he pretty well sums up why farmers are so frustrated. The biggest issues the U.S. has with China as a trading partner involve intellectual property theft and these requirements they have about how companies can do business there. So it's really not about agricultural products. But soybeans are one of the biggest things China imports from the U.S. And China knows that farmers are part of President Trump's base. Hitting them would get the president's attention. All right. We'll talk about the possibility that some Trump supporters may not stick with him in 2020 after this break. Caucus Land is sponsored by Gravitate Coworking and by Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa, where students get a first-in-the-nation hands-on experience with the political process every election cycle. Explore interdisciplinary learning at cornellcollege.edu. If you like what you've just heard, like and share this episode. Use the hashtag caucusland. Please take a few seconds to visit caucusland.com to sign up for the latest news and updates sent to your inbox. High quality journalism is more important now than it ever has been. If you learned something by listening to this episode, make a contribution at iowapublicradio.org. It's your support that makes podcasts like Caucusland possible. This is Caucus Land from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Clay Masters. I'm Kate Payne. 
In the first part of this episode, we talked about what the Democratic presidential candidates are saying about trade and ag policy. Iowa Public Radio's Amy Mayer has been doing this reporting. She's still with us. Amy, it's a pretty well-established fact that rural voters, including farmers, played a key role in Trump's 2016 victory. But in Iowa, many counties that went for him in 2016 had voted for Obama twice before. Right. And I wanted to understand better why. When I found that three sociologists at Iowa State University have been asking the same question and looking at some different data sets to try to characterize which counties made that flip. They looked at the number of jobs available, for example, and the racial makeup of the community and how rural a county was. Ann Oberhauser is one of the sociologists who published this research. What came out to be strongly um, or highly correlated with these flipped counties was rurality, um, level of whiteness or non-Hispanic white population, and education, college education or lack of college education. It's interesting, partly because it's a little different than the national narrative, which tended to include religion, and it also included um, issues around gun ownership. But the economic factors that they considered didn't specifically look at agriculture, for instance. So looking ahead to 2020, Oberhauser is setting up some focus groups and following the campaigns. She's found things like immigration and tariffs impact these counties, regardless of how directly they connect to agriculture. So I think that there's there's a concern of the impact of those. We're, we're here already hearing about that and how that might, again, cause people maybe to flip back or to reject some of these um, policies that have been passed under the Trump administration. Things like the tax cuts and the trade war with China, which actually shut down one manufacturer in a northeast Iowa county where she's doing her research. And so what about Republicans? Trump has some challengers out there. They're certainly not crisscrossing the state like the Democrats and, and pulling out staffers the way that they are. But former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford and former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld are running in the Republican race. And they'll have a real David and and Goliath kind of fight against Trump, partly because the Iowa Republican Party has been unified so uniformly behind him. Right. I mean, you look at Senators Ernst and Grassley and Governor Reynolds, and they've just been really pushing hard to get Trump to throw a concession to farmers over these ethanol waivers. They just recognize that the Republicans could lose some of those farmer votes if something doesn't change. Um, After a White House meeting about that, they all said that they felt they'd reached a verbal agreement with the president. And while we're recording this today, no agreement has been announced and several biofuels plants in Iowa have closed over this. Yeah, and people have lost jobs. And some of those jobs may never come back. Or if they do, it may be too late for some of the workers who got laid off. But just to be clear, it does look like most farmers who supported Trump probably will stick with him, like Scott Henry. Unfortunately for farmers, maybe fortunately for President Trump, um, we may be put into a situation where we have or we're picking the best of two evils uh, from our perspective. And uh, and that maybe is still President Trump, um, um, which is unfortunate, I think. But at the same time, there are some Democrats that are in the race that I still think are worth hearing out and have a chance to earn our vote, um, specifically when it comes to rural issues and agriculture, as long as they actually come and talk to us and spend time in rural America. If candidates want to win over farmer voters, Henry says they need to get off their planes, out of the cities, and maybe even off the paved roads. All right. And many of these politicians are spending time in Iowa's farm country this year, of course, while they're searching for those much-needed supporters on caucus night. IPR's Amy Mayer, thanks for doing this reporting. Thanks a lot.
Some more updates. The undisputed queen of polling in Iowa, Ann Selzer, issued a new poll in late September. For the first time, Elizabeth Warren is leading in the Des Moines Register CNN Mediacom Iowa poll. This is just one poll, but Selzer's polls are considered the gold standard. Key takeaways. Warren has edged out Biden 22 to 20, but her lead is still in the margin of error. While 71 percent of likely Democratic caucus goers say they're considering Warren, almost two thirds of them say they're not totally decided on who they'll go with. Other findings. 63 percent of active Iowa Democrats want a candidate who will seek common ground with Republicans. And they want someone who represents a new generation of leadership, someone who can energize new voters. One candidate that caucus goers won't have to choose from is New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. He suspended his campaign in late September. Another thing. Remember how Iowa Democrats wanted to do virtual caucuses this year? That was their plan to open up the process to more caucus goers by using a telephone system. But the Democratic National Committee shot it down over cybersecurity concerns. In September, Iowa Democrats were forced to come up with a different fix to boost inclusion. They came up with satellite caucuses. So how this works is people will still caucus in person on caucus day, but some will be able to do it in another location that's maybe more convenient. So caucus goers in factories or in nursing homes could get special permission to just caucus there instead of at another site. That can make a difference for some people who might not make it to their caucus site otherwise. But working people, people with kids, anyone who can't set aside those hours of their night, these satellite caucuses don't necessarily help them. Still, the DNC gave the satellite plan initial approval. So those fears about Iowa losing the caucuses or not going first can be put to rest, at least for now. Before we go, we're ending with Only in Iowa. Today, a story about love and the caucuses. Sam Roker and Laura Henderson met while working on campaigns for Democrats in Iowa. They got married in 2017. We didn't get married in 16 because we were trying to avoid um, the last election cycle. So we actually had a two-year engagement. In 2019, Laura got a job as New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's political director in Iowa. Sam was hired for the same job for former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper's Iowa campaign. They did didn't exactly plan to work on separate campaigns, but they say it just wasn't an issue that they were with different candidates. I don't think I ever ran into anybody who said, I'm deciding between Kirsten Gillibrand and John Hickenlooper. Like, that never happened. That person's out there somewhere. I really, I really want, to want to meet them. them. Yeah, I do. Their split allegiances over baseball teams is a bigger sticking point than working for different candidates. Laura's a Cardinals fan. I'm a Cubs fan. So we're, we're used yeah. to this already. And there was a moment where Sam was very thankful he had Laura on the trail. They were going to a political event in Clear Lake, Iowa, where their candidates were both going to give speeches with no teleprompters. I did not pack a printer, so I, I texted Laura, and like, hey, were you smart enough to pack a printer on your Gillibrand Winnebago? And thankfully she had, so the, the Hickenlooper speech was printed out by by Laura, and she saved us on that one. But, you know, I mean, there's no other, like, there's no other state director that I would feel comfortable or their campaign where I'm like, hey, can I use your printer to print out a speech? <laughs> it was so funny because we were, we were getting to the event. We were very close and I get this text from him and I'm like, okay, you need to send it right now. We're about to jump off the bus. So I'm like moving around on the bus while like, Kirsten's also doing prep and I'm like printing the speech. I'm like, this is, this is just so weird. But thankfully I have a screenshot of our text messages of, of Sam confirming that, that Kirsten got the smarter state director. So I will That's forever true. have that. Well, you that tweeted it out, too. So I now, did. Now everybody has that. Uh, I just really wanted the world to know that that was real. Yeah. 
We want your only in Iowa stories too. Give us a call, 888-893-2036, and leave us a voicemail. This episode of Caucus Land was produced by me, Clay Masters, Kate Payne, Amy Mayer, and John Pemble. Our music was composed by Garrett Schmid and performed by Garrett and Aaron James. Our news director is Michael Leland. Our executive producer is Katherine Perkins. We also get help from our digital team, Lindsay Moon and Matt Siren. Subscribe to Caucus Land wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and share the show. Caucus Land is a production of Iowa Public Radio.